there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello, welcome to our 24th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today, I'm talking to Ashley Renard, former competitive ice skating coach and current author and influencer whose top two content areas on Insta are how to keep monogamy hot and how to get your kids to do chores around the house. Ashley contains multitudes. This conversation goes all over the place, from hormonal cycles to choreographing figure skating routines. I hope you enjoy learning about all the ways Ashley and I are similar hello Lexapro, and all the things we have to learn from each other. This past summer, in the middle of a global pandemic, Ashley self-published her memoir, Swing, and she has already sold 10,000 copies. Aside from being impressed with Ashley as a human in general, I'm especially impressed with her generosity. She takes time every other week to team up with author Allison K. Williams to give away, for free, tips and advice on the business of writing to anyone who shows up to their Writer's Bridge Zoom. And somehow, she also took the time to chat with me about her love of spreadsheets. And though this isn't part of the conversation today, she did teach me how to apply mascara, which I am eternally grateful for. This is the second episode of our book-related mini-season in celebration of my forthcoming novel. Last month, I talked to fiction writer Suzanne Reisman. This month, I'm talking to nonfiction writer Ashley Renard. Next month, I'll be talking to a writer turned agent. And in December, if all goes well, I'll be talking to a bookseller from Pittsburgh. I hope you will follow along. And you are all invited to a free Zoom event on Sunday, November 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time to celebrate the launch of my second book, Liminal Summer. I'm teaming up with my favorite musician, Liz Fulmer, to bring you excerpts from the book and songs inspired by the book. We'll also have a brief discussion, no spoilers, and a time for Q&A. I hope you'll sign up soon, link in the show notes, and join us on November 14th. We recorded this episode on October 5th, and we're releasing it on October 25th. Please remember to wear your mask, Black Lives Still Matter, Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States, and remember, spreadsheets save lives. Be well. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to There's a Column for That. I am so excited to be here, Jamie. You don't even know. I'm so excited that you're so excited and I'm so excited to have you here. I know you are super duper busy, so I am just thrilled that you had time for this. I always have time for spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space? unrelated or related to spreadsheets and how do we know each other you can feel free to answer any or all of those yeah okay so i am a former figure skating coach and choreographer i grew up in central canada manitoba super small town we have one stoplight in my hometown and driver's education classes from other towns would come to our town to practice going through the stoplight okay like that didn't make us the little town it made us the big town I grew up at the rink. I was on the ice by the time I was two and a half years old. And then for the next 37 years, um, I was on the ice six days a week. <laughs> and I retired from skating to focus on my writing in spring 2019. Within a year, I had agent offers. And I signed with an agent and I found that experience completely underwhelming. I did not really like someone else pitching my creative work. I had coached the most um, 
little known discipline of figure skating, which is synchronized skating. So for 23 years, I was essentially recruiting for a sport people didn't know existed. So <laughs> I developed some skills as far as um, um, marketing and connecting with my potential um, customers. And I realized that getting my book into the world would be a whole lot more fun if I held all of the risk and all of the reward at the same time. And that's what I've done. And since I released myself from that uh, fear of never getting an agent and that hope that the next thing I posted would go viral and I would have agents and editors you know, falling at my feet. Um, my, my social media following and audience has just exploded. Like it was one year ago. Yeah. Last week, last week marked one year since I posted my first video on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Only a year, a year. Yeah. And I'm going to hit 50,000 followers on Instagram probably tonight. And I have over 300,000 on TikTok. And I had five followers on TikTok when I posted my first video, two of my kids and three of their friends. Like they were all pity follows. Um, but I really have figured out, okay, here is where like my unique experience and perspective intersects with what my audience really loves. And I've just been playing in that field for this past year. And it's just been incredibly fun um, and an exorbitant amount of work. I have an average of 80 conversations going in my direct messages a day, eight zero. Mm -hmm. um, but from that, I can, I really have my finger on the pulse of what my audience wants. And that was one of the things when I broke up with um, who I thought was my first agent, I realized I did not want to try to find another agent because I thought it's going to take so much time to try to bring them up to speed on what I already know about my ideal reader, what I already know about my audience. Um, and I would rather spend that time getting my book into the world and then marketing and all of those things instead of just trying to play catch up with someone else. So do you use spreadsheets for any of that? You know what I'm, as I was saying that my, all my direct messages, um, I was like, how do I categorize my direct message replies in spreadsheets? Um, what I'm starting to do when I started making my videos. So my most popular video series is how to keep monogamy hot. And um, the second most popular is how to get your kids to clean the house because <laughs> I, I made a career out of telling other people's kids what to do. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I was paid very well mm -hmm. to tell other people's children what to do every day. Mm -hmm. So getting my kids to comply, to execute tasks um, is not one of the harder parts of parenting for me. So mm -hmm. offering tips and tricks to people has really been well-received. Um, but all of those videos are cataloged in a spreadsheet so that I can keep track of, and this didn't start till I probably had 75 videos like posted. And then my assistant and I started compiling all of them and making this master document. So we know, you know, keeping monogamy hot part 14, this was the topic. This is the data it was originally posted. Here's the link. Um, because I'm moving, I'm moving these things. So getting these things organized has given me a real visual of the amount of content I have created and the breadth of the conversations I'm having now with my audience. Uh, so one of the things I'm doing, it's going to launch here just in the next few weeks is I am opening members only content on my website. So a lot of my time spent in my direct messages is responding to personal questions. And a lot of them are repeats. And I have to tell you something, Jimmy, like 25% of my audience is male, but 70% of my direct messages are from men. Wow, they see my videos. Fascinating. Most of the time it's about like little tricks for communication or making things more fun and less um, monotonous in the bedroom or things you can do to try to like you know, uh, for me going from parenting mode to sexy time mode is like, not like, I can't just flip the switch. Mm -hmm. Um, so lots of ideas about like working in a transition time, you know, like I love to just like go to the bedroom by myself for 30 minutes, whether I run a bath or like read something sexy or something like I just need to, my bit, my mind is a very busy place to be. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. 
I so relate to that. It's busy and it's loud. It's so, my brain is so loud. And so it's interesting that you say run a bath or whatever. I actually need, um, like that transition time for me is typically a 30 minute sitcom. Like I need to be focused on something that isn't me so that I can stop being a parent, stop being an employee and just laugh a little and then like shake that all off. I have to tell you, watching funny TV was, besides going on Lexapro, watching funny oh, TV oh, was, yeah, <laughs> I, of course, I mean, I just assume everybody's on it, right? I'll tell okay. you, I, right. hit, I hit my one month mark on March 13th of 2020. It had been in my system for a month when the pandemic hit. There is no way I would still be married. I would still be alive. The children would still be alive if I hadn't done that one month ahead of time, not knowing what was to come. I was 60 days yep. on Lexapro at that point. So yep. yeah, it was it was January 2020. Yep. That and and when and, and I also know when you're saying like there's no way I'd be married or alive, like it to to make that for me, for, for a lot of us, I think, but for me to say to a doctor, I need help. Like I really actually first to just say to my husband, mm-hmm. I, I need some support with this. Mm-hmm. I, I am feeling it was just so dark and it was so low. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have anxiety as well, but the, the reason I went on the Lexapro was definitely because I think I've had depression on and off since I was about 11. Um, and it hit me hard after my second was born, but I never got any support for postpartum. Um, I have three kids now, but it was, it was the d- depression was just stronger and longer than I had ever experienced. And it was scaring me. It was scaring me. So to, to get over my ego and just say, I want support from it. I like, I want meds. Like I knew exactly like I want. So for me, it was, it was PMDD. It was. 10 days out of the month, I was not making rational decisions. I was not responding in a rational way to things. I hated everybody and everything, all of it. And my GP said, you have two options. You can go on Prozac 10 days before your period, or you know, five, five days before that for 10 days, or you can go on low dose Lexapro all month. And I said to her, I'm petrified that my family will only like me when I'm on the Prozac. So let's just go Lexapro all month long. And then, and then we don't have to worry about that. Oh <laughs> my goodness. It's so interesting that you talk about um, the connection with your cycle too. Cause I'm 41 years old and it has only been like in the past year and a half that I actually realized the hardest time for my anxiety and my moods is that week before my period. Like how did, I, I never, I, I never I, put it together. I, I ne- discovered it with a spreadsheet. I, I really did. I really, really did. So because I'm a super visual learner, a calendar wasn't helpful for me because like you flip the page or if it's in your phone, you can't like see the pattern. So I have a document that goes back several years that has my cycle day on the rows. And then across it, I'm, I'm tracking weight, uh, symptoms, uh, medication. If I take like, if I, cause I get migraines, I get cyclical migraines. And for a while I thought I always had a migraine. And when I started to write it down on this like longitudinal or would it be latitudinal spreadsheet, I could see, nope, it was 48 hours, either at the very beginning of my period or the very end of my period. And then it, that actually helped tremendously because every time they hit, I would be like, okay, this is going to last two days and then I'm going to be fine. As opposed to every time they hit thinking, I just had a migraine last week. Well, no, I didn't. It just felt like I did. So that spreadsheet helped me track. And I can go back several years where it says, I hate everybody and everything. And I can see now the pattern. So it's not done by calendar day. It's done by cycle day. By cycle day. Okay. And I track it. Actually, I have a lunar calendar Mm -hmm. that I have bought from this 
same company, it's original lunar phase calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for 12 years, I've been buying these calendars and I have one downstairs in my kitchen and one upstairs. And it's really beautiful because it has the months, um, it has the months across the top and then the day of the month here. Yep. And then it has the diagram of yep. the moon phase. I, yes. It makes a really beautiful pattern. Right. Really beautiful pattern. And I mark when I ovulate because I can feel mm-hmm. when I ovulate. Mm-hmm. And then my cycle days, my mm-hmm. period. And then I, I just started actually a few days ago, marking in yellow, the days that I feel I'm the most anxious. Mm-hmm. And um, because the Lexapro helps with the depression a lot, the anxiety is still a thing that I surf. Right. <laughs> um, and what I, what the reason I marked it down this month was because last month after my lowest or like most stressed days, mm-hmm. I rebounded in this way that felt, um, I'm going to use the word manic because it felt like really, but it's, it's not that uncomfortable, but it is very busy. It is very excitable and busy. But is it also euphoric? It it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I just noticed last month that those days are next to each other. Like I go low and then I bounce, I rebound kind of high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I said it to, to Manny, my husband, because I feel like that's how I can like document things, you know, just by sharing it. Mm-hmm. And then he, since, since I went on, um, medication to help depression and anxiety, he tunes in more like remembering to check how I'm doing. And if I say I'm a little stressed, he'll be like, okay, all right what can I do? Or, you know, do you want to take the dog for, for a walk by the mm-hmm. lake? You know what I mean? He like yeah. tries to like go into action right. mode, not, not in like, like a fixer mentality, but in a really supportive yeah. type way. That's great. Um, yeah. And then just this month I marked down those two yellow days and then I put a green day, like green means go on that really, <laughs> that really wound up day. Mm-hmm. But euphoric is a good word because I was just I mean, I was dancing around my kitchen. I was so excited about, I can't even remember what I was excited about, but it seemed like a really big thing then. Yeah. Cause I'll have then the, I love everyone and everything day. And it's like, it's so pronounced compared, but I never used <laughs> to write that down because it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. It was like, I love everyone and everything. But once you start to see it laid out across a sheet you can really see. So when I say, I joke and say that spreadsheets save lives, but I'm serious because I really feel like that sheet has so positively benefited everyone in this house's life. I I mean, it it is, it's when we can acknowledge the cycles Mm -hmm. or just give ourselves some indication to the longevity, like you're talking about with your headaches. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have more control over it. Like, you know, we don't feel so out of control, right? We don't feel so at mercy of like, what was this? I don't know what this was. Like, well, it's like, Oh no, right. This is when it happens. I didn't fuck something up that then caused this. It's just the, the, right. Because whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, what did I do mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. not foresee this to mm-hmm. like, I, I go into the self-blame yeah. hard and fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's the part I don't have, but I think I, I know lots of people who can relate um, to that. <laughs> My migraines come with brain fog. So I have, do, do you know the thing about writing 911 next to your phone? Like in the old days when you had like a phone on the kitchen wall what was it in Canada 999 yeah. what are you what are no you? it was it was honest honestly <laughs> honestly um my hometown didn't get 911 until I like went to university Jamie you had to like call the police like 748 blah blah blah, blah. you had to call like the town police so there's a thing about having 911 right by your phone because in a moment of panic, it doesn't matter how well you know that, in a moment of panic, you will forget 911. So I have discovered that a very cold Coca-Cola and salted peanuts help with my migraines. And I kid you not, I forget every month because the brain fog is so bad. Like I know it's gonna last two days, there, there's nothing that can fix it. There are things that can make it a little bit more manageable. And it usually takes me 12 hours in 
where like if I if someone else is eating peanuts I'll be like oh I haven't tried peanuts and coca-cola yet and so it's that's how but writing it down and seeing it in the chart oh yeah oh yeah it helps immensely yeah three three extra strength Tylenol peanuts and coca-cola and I will at least be able to get through a work day not pleasantly but I can do it you can do it yeah wow I get migraines as well and they always ended with me vomiting if I don't medicate. Right. Like, it's like, I will just, and they come on during the night, like while I'm sleeping, they come on. So do you clench? No, they don't start there. They don't even okay. start there. Okay. Um, no, I've never had like <sighs> clenching, grinding stuff. Okay. I, I don't know. I am pretty tightly wound. I probably clench. <laughs> well, I just um, thought based on something, I saw someone post a headache helmet and how's it going have you started haven't it? used it yet haven't needed to use it yet but i do have to prep it because you have to put the stuff in ice and then basically it's almost like a hair towel that you wrap around your head with velcro it can fit very tightly but it has ice packs in it yep. so it can cover I your eyes wait. yeah yeah so I i'll let you know how that goes yeah thank you um I seem to remember you saying something about using Excel spreadsheets to plan figure skating routines. Is that, am I yeah, correct? Yeah. You and are you, correct. Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> okay. This is my, this is the only thing I miss about coaching skating. I think Jamie. It's making love. <laughs> yeah. Love my skaters so damn much. Okay. But I was, I, I left when I was ready to leave. Okay. Picture this. We have down, down the sides, we have each count of eight in the music. All right. So for, for people listening, even if you're not musical, next time there's a song on the radio, count out the beat. The phrasing is almost always in sets of eight. Okay. And a one sounds different from a five and a two sounds different than six. Okay. You know, when, when you're paying attention to the tempo, to the cadence of the music, you can hear those beats. Okay, so that's how that's how choreography is set. There is a movement, either a foot placement or an arm movement or both um, on each beat of the music. Okay, some, so if you take a long stroke, maybe it would last for two or four beats. Okay, mm -hmm. but this is why spreadsheets were just gorgeous. So we have the number, we have the counts of eight on the left, like mm -hmm. the first phrase, the second, mm -hmm. and then also beside that, we have the time in the program that that hits. Okay, yeah. like a medium tempo music, um, a count of eight will be like three to four seconds. So okay. I would have to listen through the whole thing and like count out the numbers of, of eights and then also listen through again and then mark down the time of each. And it would usually take me a few times through to get all the numbers on, but that was like setting the framework. Then across the top for every column, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so we would have the first count of eight that starts at zero in, in the music. And then, you know, for that first beat, this is what we do, this is what we do. And then I would put another call, another row underneath that. If there were any lyrics in the songs. It matched up. I would, yeah. I would paste them in. I would paste them in. So I would open like Google lyrics or something. Uh -huh. And then I would paste it in and I would listen so I'd have different windows open on my, I did this all on my, on my MacBook, right? Mm -hmm. I'd be listening to the music on my computer. And then sometimes you have to listen over and over to be like, okay, when they say sky, like what, what is that actually on? And it, oh, sky actually made it like four beats. Mm -hmm. And then I would make sure, you know, that that was all there. That was, that was the framework of building that then allowed me to put in choreography, change choreography, cut, like um, cut and then paste if I moved something four beats later. Right. Right. I could move it. I could move it around. Right. Um, also, a lot of times, so I coach synchronized skating where there are 12 to 20 athletes on the ice at a time. Not always did everybody do the same thing at the same time. They could be doing something mirror image. So maybe right. this this line is going to the left. This line is going to the right. Mm -hmm. So then their steps are the same but opposite. Yeah. Like this team doing a chasse on the right foot, this team's doing, you know, this group's doing a chasse on the left foot. So in those cases, I would duplicate the rows 
and then put them in a different color. Right. So for like, you know, say one minute, 12 seconds, like these are the steps for, and then I would add another column that would indicate, like I would name those two groups in some way, you know, like group, you know, going towards the judges or group going towards the audience because like left, right, up, down, like it's sort of like every rink can be um, positioned, oriented in a different way, but the judges, the side the judges will be on is like sort of like your true north, it's right. like your cardinal direction. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's sort of like a stage left, stage right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, for sure. here's your audience and then here's what we got, you know, on each side of us. And then sometimes there would be as many as three or four different subgroups doing different choreography. Right. So for like, you know, that one minute, 12 seconds, whatever the steps were, there would be like maybe then four color-coded rows right of and then it would just repeat right underneath you know what I mean so you can see what everybody's doing during that count of eight and then you see what everybody's doing during the next when I got this laid out I would usually do my choreography a 72 hour period where I would do like one program okay I've been listening to the music for months trying to decide and then I my music guy who's this awesome music engineer in Quebec his name's Hugo he would send me other ideas and then he would um I would tell him what cuts I wanted he would always perfect it and then but when I would sit to actually lay out the program the required elements from U.S. figure skating different features that we can choose from all of that I would do each program in like about 72 hours and I would work probably 12 hours a day because I just like going into it Um, like that. And I would listen to the music over and over. I would turn my computer around on my desk. So I'm facing out into the more open part of my office. Uh So I could move through the steps. I would like move through the choreography. And then I had yoga blocks or a little pad so I could kneel down at my computer and put the things in. And then I would get back up and I would move. So this is a very silly question, but, and I hope it makes sense, but were you using like English language, English language words, because I know there's like dance notation, but like there's not standard dance notation or I used to work for a modern dance company decades Mm -hmm. ago. And there was this movement to try to do standard dance notation. And I don't know whether it didn't exist. No one really knew how to use it. I don't know what the problem was. And we relied on videos. So if my boss was going to set a piece on another company, we would send videos ahead of him going there. Um, so I'm just yeah. curious, what are you putting in the cells? Is it chasse or is it a notation that means chasse? It, it, it is. It, it is chasse. Okay. There are some abbreviations that okay. are standard. Okay. Um, like RBO would be right back outside. Okay. That would be an edge. Okay. okay. Um, so on skates, there are two edges on each blade. They're actually concave. Each blade is concave. Okay. And there's an inside edge and an outside edge. And you can go on both. And then you would make a flat type train track on the ice with two sides to it. But if you're going faster and you have any sort of body lean and you're going on a curve, then actually only one line shows up on the ice. Right. Um, so you can, you can glide on your inside edge, your outside edge. Um, and most of the things we would be doing would just be on one foot. Um, for l- really little teams, they would do t- some two foot skating. Um, so my skaters had to understand those abbreviations, like LFI would be left forward inside. So I never wrote those things out. Okay. And are um, you giving them the sheets? So you're yeah. there, they have to read the sheets. You're not there teaching it to them. So they, I am teaching it to them, but I would, I would batch the choreography, do it. And then we would have, um, week-long choreography camps where we would like learn like seven programs, me and like my staff of coaches. And then we would do the whole thing then again, the next week with like seven more programs. The night before or two days before choreography camp, depending how early I had it done, I would share it as a Google sheet with my athletes. And it it lived in Google Sheets. But in the couple of years before I started sharing with the athletes, I would share with my assistant coaches there. Mm -hmm. And then any changes. And then I, so I would share it with my coaches, you know, in the last few years, I would share it with my athletes too. A lot of them were very good at um, 
understanding it, reading it. I would go through with them all the time, how to read it, but some were like super savvy. So as soon as they got that, that link, they would print it out, put on the music and like try to teach themselves right. the steps. You know, you can't understand everything there. Um, I did start adding lines. Like in my last few years, I, I started getting like everything down there. I had a great assistant coach who was skated for Disney on ice and had a, a degree in dance. So um, the choreography she would add as far as like arm movements and body positions and levels got more complex. So then I added extra, I added extra rows for that in every phrase. So then it became like, you know, instead of just like a two page document, right. you know, it would be like a five, six page document because we just, we just included more detail there. Right. Um, mostly for us as coaches to remember what we were doing when we're working with lots of athletes. Um, lots of different teams. And um, then the skaters, if they missed practice or anything, could see the changes on it. Um, I even assigned one skater, one of my more senior skaters, I gave her editing access. Because sometimes I would coach like four teams on a Sunday. And if one of my higher level teams, we made some changes early in the day, I wouldn't remember. So I'd say like, Alex, are you willing to put those changes in the right. dock and she right. would like it would be changed before I even got off the ice that night right. um so that was that was really helpful because she could she I think she was my only athlete who could write it you know who could like put yeah. things in the way I would yeah because she was with me for like 10 years um what I would do as well is print out copies for each team and then put them in a three ring binder in like a sleeve because I'm yeah. on the ice and I would like fold it up and shove it in my pocket sometimes and like put it back in. Um, and I would have a pen in my hair mm -hmm. and I would write things on there that like weren't working. So like I would get, have like a messy sheet every day with stuff on it and then go to my computer at night and then change or, you know, update the things that we like saw didn't work. Right. Like sometimes I just really anticipate they're going to be able to do something at a super fast tempo and then they do it and it looks like complete shit. And I'm like, all right, we got to slow that everything halftime, everything. Right. Right. But to take, to take, you know, half the steps out and have something halftime when it's all laid out on the spreadsheet is pretty easy. So this sounds like something you developed on your own. Do you know Completely. how other coaches do it? Do you know, like we often joke that like, why would you do it any other way if you could do it in a spreadsheet? But some people's brains don't work like that. So do you, yeah. was this fairly, was how you do it fairly unique to you? Um, it was, I met some other spreadsheet lovers um, over the years. Um, but most of the time when I mentioned it, people's eyes would go, Whoop. <laughs> and I sent my template to a lot, to everybody who asked yeah. everybody. Well, cause you just want to share. I have a, I have a list of things to do in an Excel spreadsheet that anyone who wants that template, I'm like, really, you should use this. Very few people take me up on it, but it, it's there color-coded, sortable by lots of different things, really helpful. And uh, lots of people don't want it. Yeah. So that's the thing that I don't do very much um, sorting or shifting or things like that, because right. It's like the whole framework. Right. That's a very it's different. How it's built. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I did, what I loved though, too, was setting up my budget for my teams every year mm -hmm. on um, a sheet on a spreadsheet that actually had two different sheets, right? Mm -hmm. Like one is all of our projected expenditures mm -hmm. um, broken down by category and by competition. Like, okay, we go to Cape Cod right. to compete the first December of every year. I went to Cape Cod the first December of every year for 12, for 15 years, Jamie. What I stayed at the same hotel, like almost every, and I loved it. I was like, I don't want a new hotel. That is the hotel I stay at every time. I take a walk on the beach. I like to go to this juice store, you know, creatures of habit. Imagine. Right, right. Well, that helps then, with anxiety, I think. Oh, I think so. And then what I loved was that I had, you know, like the linked, the linked cells from one sheet to another. 
So if I changed the number of skaters, so usually I had this laid out and then we had a certain number of skaters register for tryouts. And then when we're deciding, okay, all at the same time within about 48 to 72 hours, I had to decide what team every athlete was going on. So I, at the biggest, I had 150 athletes on 10 teams. Okay. So what team every one of them is going on. So how big my rosters are going to be, because I could skate say like 16 skaters at once, but I could actually carry 24 on the roster. All right. And they would all pay the team fees regardless of like, you know, because it's, right. it's a fluctuating thing, whether or not they're like going to be skating in competitions every time. So we would have to decide what teams they're each going to be on. Oh, sometimes too, what team levels we're going to field that year based on the athletes we have. Okay. How many I'm going to have on each roster and therefore how, you know, there, there are the things that are going to be a set price. Okay. Like the cost of the ice per hour, say it was always $350. Mm-hmm. Now, there were other things like competition registration would be $150 plus $12 per skater. So I would have to have that factored in there right. with the roster number right. because that number would go up right. if we had more athletes, right? Yep. And then um, the average dress cost for each skater, whereas like the older, the older, more advanced teams had much more elaborate dresses and they had two programs. And mm-hmm. so I love that I kept track of all of that in spreadsheets as well, because when I, we would offer the skaters a position on a team, we also had to say what it was going to fucking cost. And it, we had to then balance like, okay, if we're offering 24 spots, okay, let's budget that like 21 will accept. And you know, so there's all of these moving pieces, all of these moving pieces, we want to, um, keep it affordable for families, but also not run out of money. if not enough people accept their spots because they would shop around. They tried out for other teams. Sure. Fascinating. Um, I typically ask what's your biggest or favorite problem project or program that you've tackled. I feel like we've covered that unless there's other. Okay. No, no, I I did. I did lay out my book. I did lay out my book Mm -hmm. spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Um, I followed the save the cat story beats arc uh save the cat was written by blake snyder it was actually it is a screenwriting book yeah um, and there is another version that's called save the cat writes a novel but i just went off the original and then found a spreadsheet online that um was a template for putting in your word count mm-hmm. and then each of the things like the inciting incident like this the switch to act three like hap- has to happen at a certain word count or a certain page mm-hmm. you can look at it both ways yep um, and that was that was really exciting when I kept changing what my word count was going to be. And then like, you know, figuring out then how the proportion of the story had to stay the same and like what parts I had to like make kind of flesh out. That was really fun. What about the silliest thing you've ever used a spreadsheet for? I don't do very many silly things, Jamie. I should do more silly things. Well, I mean, girl Um, after my own heart, because what I would say is there are no silly spreadsheets. They are all vitally important. (laughs) If it's helping you organize something, what is silly about that? Yeah. So yeah, we can, we can stick with that answer. Right. Yeah, Uh absolutely. (laughs) All right. We're going to do rapid fire, Excel, Google sheets, something else, sub question, Mac, PC, tablet, phone. I love Excel on Mac. Okay. The best. Uh, Favorite command or function and in which program? I, I just co- co- copy and paste like the command C command V is just that's yep. oh my how God. do you feel about color coding cells or typeface or both um color coding only in choreography mm-hmm. sheets um I feel very strongly about having an outline on every cell um, through my whole spreadsheet. Okay. I, I really do. Um, mm-hmm. and it has to be a certain thickness and I, I hate when I cut, when I cut text out of a damn cell, Jamie, and then my border goes away. <laughs> it's so no, why? Why? You didn't ask my permission. You did not have my consent. No, 
you know every like learn me be intuitive excel or, yep. or or google sheets every time i cut and paste and then i go back and i select the whole thing again and i put the same border like learn learn me yes like it's like it's like we've never even met right <laughs> it's like i never want to type ducking never never, never. want to type ducking never, never. Um, I'm with you. What is the one thing about spreadsheets you think other people might not know? Oh, I. Aside from the fact that you can choreograph synchronized skating in a yeah, spreadsheet. I think people don't realize how simple they are. I think that they hear spreadsheet and maybe their mind goes to like, oh my God, math no, or something like that. They have to <laughs> calculate that right. they have to graph it, right. like that they have to hand graph some right. shit. Right. No, or that numbers like, are involved even. Like often yeah. numbers aren't even involved for me. The link cells on different sheets for right. budgets and number right. of skaters. Like that's exciting stuff. It is. I we mean, it, it's exciting it stuff. That way. Right. I think people don't understand how how simple they can be. Um and just I mean, when I was querying agents, like if people don't use a spreadsheet, what the hell are they doing? Because I, I, I mean, it scares the crap out of me when I talk to writers who say like, oh, I don't have a spreadsheet. I remember who I queried or I look oh back, I look back through my email like, okay, what? okay. Oh my goodness. I could, cause I couldn't even keep it in like a word document, like, or my, no, I mean, there are things like that, that I just can't fathom. No, I, I mean, you just, you organize it in a spreadsheet or you have no freaking clue. I think those are the two options. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about CRMs? I don't know if in your world you've ever had to use a CRM. Never, never. You know I even is? Googled, I Googled it before our call and I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to use that shit. I don't, I don't get it. I don't want to. I don't ever want to understand that. Totally fair answer. Totally fair. And yeah. what about pivot tables? No. Pivot is actually something that you do um, in, a, in a skating element. Right. Um, and whenever, whenever we really wanted to pivot, then we would all go into like the friends. Yeah. Pivot. You know, moving the couch <laughs> up the stairs yep. a bit. Um, so uh, no, when I make a spreadsheet, I don't want anything to. I don't. I, I don't want anything to move. I don't want it to um, do a song and dance for me. I do not right. want it to produce a chart for me. I. I created it the way I wanted it for a reason. Oh, Ashley, I love you. Um, we are getting into our final thoughts time. So anything that's getting you through this crazy world we're in, books, movies, shows, podcasts that you think people should check out. Okay. Um, I think that we were, we were talking, we were I was going to say this when you were talking about um, your transition time is that 30 minute sitcom. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then I said, besides Lexapro, the thing, and then we went on the Lexapro, the thing that helped my mental health the most, um, because I am a doer, like I uh, forever, I came out of the womb ready to work, um, has really been watching funny TV. So it was the good place a few years ago that I started watching. Um, and and Schitt's Creek right now I'm watching Ted Lasso um I think we need some sort of comic relief especially type a type people or you know the spreadsheet people that we are mm -hmm. um just laughing at something really really silly uh also I spend a lot of time cuddling with my dog um that has been nice I hope that I hope that everyone in pandemic has a dog they who lives with them or who's close by uh who they can get some time with because yeah that's been something for all of us um that has made it easier to all be together our family of five mm -hmm. in this house seeing almost no other people for so long um because you know the dog, you know, now we walk down to get the mail, we come back, the dog is so excited to greet us. Like, it's like we leave the room and come back in because he's not used to any separation. Good positive reinforcement. We, um, so we are, we are like secular Jewish atheists sort of. And so we decided at some point during the pandemic, we weren't going to say bless you when someone sneezed, we were going to say you're the greatest. So now the more you sneeze, the more positive reinforcement you get. 
I sneeze constantly. Hilarious. Like you're sneezing more. No, I just, I am, so, I don't know anyone else who sneezes as much as I do. And it is oh, not, you just always sneeze a lot. I'm just, when, I mean, Sam and I have been together over 20 years and shortly into our relationship, he said, you get three bless you's a day and then just assume. And I now think- that it's, you're the greatest, like it's all the time. It's, it's amazing. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. We may you're have the greatest. To- um, I think Seinfeld did. You're so good looking, and we do. You're the greatest. Oh, we have Seinfeld jokes around here too. Our dog's name is Cosmo. Oh, hey, are you a Brooklyn Nine Nine fan? I've never watched it. So when you're ready for your next like 30 minute, make okay. you feel better about yourself, like that's that's the way to go. That's okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything you're working on? I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your book because it's amazing. And you did some amazing things. So my book is still selling like crazy. It's amazing. I've sold 10,000 copies since it came out at the end of May. Yeah. Okay. In a pandemic by yourself. In a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Self-publishing. Um, okay. So a few things. Yeah. A few things. Um, I am opening up members only content on my website. Um, so all of my content that lives on TikTok and Instagram will also live on my website and every fourth or fifth video will be kind of blurred out and I'll say unlock members only content. And then you'll be taken to a subscription page Mm -hmm. and there people will have the option $7.99 a month or $79 for the year to get my more detailed advice, um, Q and A's, like ask me anything type things, um, about relationship and intimacy, relationships and intimacy and all of those things. Um, also I'm launching a podcast, the keeping monogamy Hotcast, um, coming out at the end of October. I asked my, I asked my <laughs> audience what it should be called and I didn't give them choices to vote on. I just said, I'm having a podcast. What should I, what should I call it? And almost everybody said it should be called Hey Babes because that's what I say when I, I pick up my phone and I go, Hey Babes, when I'm on my stories. Uh-huh. And I never knew that I said it. I never knew that I called anyone Babes, Jamie. Huh. So people started to DM me saying like, oh, so-and-so just told me how they love when you say, hey, babes, you know, it feels like, you know, they're, you're talking right to them. And I was like, I say that. And then someone else was like, I always love how you say, hey, babe. And I was like, oh, I call the neighbor kids that, I call my own kids that, I call the dog that. I didn't really, so now we have hoodies, we have merch on my website that say, hey babes, hey comma babes period, because that's how it always captions in right, my, right. hey comma babes period. Yeah. Um, so th- those are the suggestions, hey babes, or keeping monogamy hot cast. And I was like, the hot cast, that's actually hilarious. I never would have thought of that. That, that is, is very hilarious. funny. Your wish is my command. Um, yeah, those are the big things. Those are the big things right now. And then can you give us like the elevator pitch of your book? Because I don't oh, think yes. we've that yet. We haven't. So my book, Swing, is the story of how, as a perfectionist mom, I took doing it all to the next level as the world's worst attempted swinger. And it's funny and it's sexy and couples are reading it together. And Jamie, I didn't know this was going to happen. Like I really didn't. Um, I was super unhappy in my marriage. And the reason I realized I was unhappy in my marriage is because I thought my marriage was organized and perfect. And we were just overstressed and thought, let's go to, let's go to sex clubs. And, and like then everything unraveled. I I dramatically underestimated the complexities of the swing lifestyle and overestimated the strength of our relationship, like just way off. So you can see that reading the book that I'm just like, I'm setting myself up for a big flop. Um, But couples are reading it and it's interesting. I think it's, I think it's my experience coaching adolescents and being like, you know, it was just constantly assuring them that we're all on the same team. Like we're all, we're all working together. That didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, you just smacked into her and sliced into her. Like, well, listen, but it wasn't, you know, 
no one really meant it. It was like just things happen. So what I'm talking about infidelity and um, resentment and all of this shit that's so hard in marriage that carries so much blame and carries so much weight that we carry for so long. Every the couples are like marking pages for each other and going like, that's how I feel. And they can, they can hear it from each other without it being like, yeah, and you're a piece of shit partner. There's just this bit of like levity and like, this is sort of the way it is. But like, now that we know we can kind of move through it. Like we don't need to, we don't need to dwell in the blame game at all. So have you had anybody tell you they're afraid to read your book? Cause they're not sure they're ready for what they're going to learn in it. Yes, I have. I get mess. Yes. I have had people who are afraid they're going to want a divorce or afraid that they will be lured into the swing lifestyle. Okay. So to those people, I say, listen, listen, it is not a cautionary tale and it is not an endorsement. Okay. There have been a lot of people who have been on the fence with divorce. Like actually, Jamie, I sent out my book to like 500 people before it even came out, just like emailed it to them. Anybody who showed up in my DMs in crisis, I was like, give me your email. I'll just send you my book. And some of them had literally divorce papers signed. And then they saw one of my videos and they were like, I saw before you get a divorce part one, and I'm wondering if there are more parts because <laughs> I need a little help. And I'm like, just give me your email. They read the book. The feedback I get from people is it gives them so much clarity of what to do next. Like it is just so clear. Okay. That thing that I'm worried about, we don't need to worry about, or this thing that I've been ignoring, this is the thing that I actually need to get right. This is the thing and just giving people the green light to have hard conversations, mostly outside the bedroom. A lot of people think like, oh, this is going to be like a racy thing. Listen, there are some really good sex scenes. The book won best sex scene last night at the Zivi Awards. Okay? <laughs> it is, there, there are sexy parts and funny and really I'm um, like, like focused on female pleasure and like just really, so even people who have experienced sexual trauma are like, I, I liked reading these sex scenes. Like it was really fun. It was really fun. I don't think anybody needs to be afraid of what they're going to find in the book. Um, unless, unless clarity doesn't feel good. (laughs) It feels good to all of us. Right. It's like that. Should I, should I, should I? And for most people, it has been, uh, Okay. I'm, I'm not anti-divorce. I'm not at all. Like, I really think it is the most fabulous decision in a lot of cases, even in people I know like really well and closely. Um, so I don't think there's like a right and a wrong path for any of us. I think that Manny and I could have gotten divorced a few years ago and I could have even ended up with the guy who I fell in love with, who I talk about in the book. Um, and you know what? I would have, there would have been some incredible blessings. There would have been some incredible lessons and, and for our kids, there would have been like some different challenges and some different cool things. I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's no, this I is think the thing. That's you go first. And then I'm going to say what I, I, I grew say. up. I grew up truly believing there was only one, one white, right way to do anything. And that was the highest level of difficulty. Okay. So I've stopped taking decisions so seriously. I've stopped taking myself so seriously because nothing is that, nothing is that dire or that much of a promise that life's going to, I thought the whole life, all of life would lay out before me, like a fucking yellow brick road. If I was just perfect all the time, Jamie, and and it doesn't, and it doesn't. So it's like, let's just like, let ourselves be a little messier. Let's actually acknowledge we have emotions and needs. And like what people are finding in the book is that they are becoming clearer on oh, I do need that. I do want that. I've pretended that I don't want X, Y, Z, but I do. And now, you know what? I don't feel like I'm whining or like pet. I'm going to tell my partner, I need these things. Mm -hmm. I need them. This is why. Are are you willing to give those to me? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of examples of just like really hard conversations. I thought you, I mean, I agree with everything you've just said. I also thought you were going to go the route because I see so much of me in your type anus, right? This idea that there is a right and a wrong decision to make. And I think the thing the pandemic has taught me is we are 
all just doing the best we can with what's been laid before us. And you can choose like for people, you know, last year when people were trying to decide, are we homeschooling? Are we virtually? Are we sending our kids back? There was literally not a right answer. There was which negatives were you willing to and able to absorb and which positives meant the most to you? And how is that going to all lay out? Because there was no oh, it's obvious, this is the way to do it, because nothing was obvious. And I think it is such a gift that we are all personally, like in a little more isolated way, just being shown, you you can kind of choose whatever, like go towards it with good intention, but, and nothing is forever. I think that a lot of us have fallen into the like, this is how life is. This is good. This is bad. This is black, white, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you know, the earth shakes and everything is different. And I mean, some people have gone like super hard and fast and extreme, but I think at a, at a more of a micro level, like in each family and in each relationship, people are, are expanding a bit and in just how they're looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really horrible in a lot of ways. And the only thing we can do is try to take lessons from it because we can't control it or make it really even better at this point. We are at our last question, which is a question you get to ask me and it can be spreadsheet related or not. What conversation did you have with another person that made you go, yes, this needs to be a podcast about <laughs> Who did you meet that shared your excitement? Who was it? It's actually the origin story is actually not that. It's I met someone who hated spreadsheets so much. I did this basically to troll him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So there, uh, during quarantine, there was a Facebook uh, game show. Uh, and it's called um, Who Knows One. So have you ever heard, I know you're from a small town in Canada, but have you ever heard of Jewish geography? No. So it's similar to Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. The idea being that every Jew knows every other Jew. You just have to figure out who knows who. And so it was a game show where two Jews would get on Zoom. They would be given the name of a third Jew and they would have to get that third Jew onto the Zoom. Onto the Zoom? Yes. Yeah. Stop it. Oh, my goodness. And so there started to be comments. So, right, it's a Facebook Live. And so there's the comments on Facebook where spreadsheets became this running joke. And the host, every time someone said, well, let me look at my spreadsheet, the host would like roll his eyes and be like, Ugh, who needs a spreadsheet? And I'm like, how could you play this game without a spreadsheet? Like, it's a race, right? So you're paired up again, you're matched up against someone else. And the idea is to get the third Jew on the call before the other person does. So spreadsheet- Oh, so you're not even working together. No, you are working against each other. And what do you do, start texting friends? Like what? Yeah. So like the first thing you get is the name and the age and the gender. And then you might get where they grew up or where they live now or where they went to college or what they do for a living. And so- you have to, and you're not allowed to Google, you're not allowed to look on Facebook, you're only allowed to reach out to another person. So some competitors in the weeks leading up to the game show would say like, I'm going to be on Wednesday night. Let me know, like, please be by your phone. Let me know where you grew up, where you went to college, where you went to summer camp and how old you are. And people would create a spreadsheet ahead of their game. And other people would just be like, oh, Michigan? I think I know someone who went to Michigan. I think they're probably 10 years too old, but I'll try them. Right? So there were these two different ways of playing the game. And the host, like, every time someone said something about a spreadsheet, he would roll his eyes. And he has a podcast about summer camps. He's a big summer camp fan. And my husband and I had been on his podcast about summer camps. And I was like, I'm going to do a podcast about spreadsheets and I'm going to get him on it. And so I did did finally get him on it. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my gosh, that is so funny. So yeah, it was quarantine. We were all stuck in our homes. And so this was a way to have community. And then the spread, the podcast spreadsheet grew out of that. So really, it's just a way for me to talk to people I like who also like spreadsheets. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy. I'm super excited. I am slightly afraid to read your book, but I am definitely, and it's definitely on my shelf. And I will, I will. It will, it will be there whenever you're ready to pick it up. And if you want me to send you the audiobook link, so you could just go like mute, pause or whatever, if you just wanted to listen, because then it felt like, you know, you're not holding the whole book in your hands. Just let me know. I'll send it to you. Oh, that actually, I do a lot of data entry in spreadsheets and I do like a good audio going on in the background. There we go. All right. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you, Jamie Beth. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.